get this. You're about to give birth. You saved up some money for new baby stuff, minus the things you got for your baby shower. You're also getting ready for maternity leave. Thank goodness for paid time off, right? I had my first seizure several weeks after I was laid off and all of this from stress. There was no other anomaly that they could attain it to. I'd never had one before. And part of it was from just keeping all the stuff down and taking things on my plate. I was already reaching out to publications to get freelance jobs. And I was two, three weeks away from having a child at this point. That's Jen. And what you just heard, well, it was a less than ideal situation. Without giving away too much, Jen got laid off shortly before she was due to give birth with no clue what her next gig was going to be. Dealing with that stress and figuring out healthcare, well, she had to be hospitalized from the way her body was reacting to all of that stress. Basically, a seizure amongst some other things. I'm sure you're dying to find out. How did she manage financially? And did she figure out what to do about the work situation after giving birth? Welcome to Beyond the Dollar with me, Sarah Lee Kane, a show where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Jen Smith, co-host of the Frugal Friends podcast, comes on the show to talk about the time her and her colleagues experienced a massive layoff at her former job a few weeks before she was about to give birth. She shares her experience navigating healthcare insurance, how she grew her income with the help of her network, why her body reacted the way it did, and what this experience taught her about her ambition and her relationship to work. All right, get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. What is it? Two years ago now, I, I was part of a mass layoff. So this was 2019. I'd been at this company for a year. It was already a big shift. Like I was an acupuncturist and I was just dabbling in personal finance writing for like my own blog and then a little freelance just to make a little extra money. But then I got this job offer that was full-time writing in personal finance. It was benefits and a salary increase. It was scary and to change like what I had my master's in to doing something I had no formal training in. And I didn't even know if I was going to like doing it full time. I like doing it, you know, here and there. So I didn't know. So in 2018, I like made the leap and did this because it was one of those things where I'm like, if I don't do it, I will always wonder what if. Like I felt like I had gotten to the top level of where I could go in acupuncture and I felt led to to do this, make the shift. So then I'm there for a year, things are great. And then we get called into a meeting and in one day, 45 people are laid off from this company. It was a particularly unique time for me because I guess I was like 34 weeks pregnant at that time. I'm almost positive they planned it around my pregnancy so that they wouldn't have to pay me maternity leave. They're like, okay, we have to lay all these people off by this date or else because this girl's pregnant. And there was one other pregnant girl who was laid off, but she was not as far along as me. So that was that was a shock. And I look back in hindsight and I'm like, I guess I could see this coming, but not 45 people. So that was quite a shock. At first, I remember I was crying But I was kind of crying for my friends because I knew I had been in personal finance and I could 
do other things. Like I had been preparing myself to eventually take the leap into entrepreneurship. This was like a stepping stone for me, but I don't think I would have had the courage like with a child and with health benefits to, I don't think I would have had the courage to choose it. So this was kind of like a forced launching pad for me. I knew that, but then I also had it coupled with, I was planning on this maternity leave. I'm having this baby. This is the worst timing ever. Like, what are my friends going to do? They're all journalists. Where are they going to work? So I had all these emotions and they were just amplified by the fact that I was 34 weeks pregnant. Walk me through the severance package that you got, if you're allowed to. We all got six weeks of paid and one month of health insurance. I think some people did have non-competes like in their severance package, but they were for people that knew trade secrets about the organization. It's one of those things where normally I would say negotiate your severance package, but because there were so many people there and they were just spending so much money on severances at the same time, it wasn't really an option. I could have. I don't think I would have been successful. Let's start with the healthcare portion of it. So for those who aren't in the U.S., is it safe to assume that when you do get laid off from a company that you still are able to access some benefits, but you have to pay more out of pocket? Yes. So we had several options. I was lucky enough to be married to a man who had the option to have healthcare, but the healthcare was covered fully at the company I was at. So obviously we were on that. I was either able to get on what's called COBRA and pay for that through the healthcare marketplace, which was really much more expensive than just switching over to my husband's healthcare. So thankfully, we were able to do that. Before that, when neither of us had healthcare benefits, we were on like a healthcare sharing ministry. So that was also an option. We could have gone back to that, but it would not have covered my pregnancy. So we were actually really lucky in the fact that we could do that. We were paying more, obviously, because we weren't paying it before. And we had that added expense now of paying for healthcare. But we are debt-free. So we paid off our student loan debt and our car debt and everything before all this happened, which was another reason that I felt the freedom to switch careers is that we had no consumer debt. We just had a mortgage. And so that was kind of one of the benefits that we could pivot and just tighten our budget a little bit. It's not like we were going out much anyway, like I was super pregnant. But yeah, we did do that and that kind of worked out. Then my husband switched jobs right when our baby was born. So we switched healthcare again six weeks later. So 2019 was a cluster cuss for health insurance for us. What I really find interesting, just not speaking with you, but with many other people that have been on this show is that logistically or like numbers wise, okay, things work out. You've done the work before, like you're really good with your financial, like personal finance skills, but then there's still that emotional piece that kind of creeps up. So it sounds like husband are on the same page about your finances. Great that you don't have any consumer debt except for your mortgage. And you kind of were able to adjust in terms of the healthcare stuff. But walk me through your mindset at the time, even your emotions at the time, just reacting to the fact that, hey, I'm 34 weeks pregnant. I don't have a job. Like, yeah. Yeah. I really tried to keep it together. I'm one of those people that kind of, I learned very early on to that when things are hard, I need to just suppress my emotions for a season and get through it. I learned that my dad died 
when I was a senior in high school and, and my mom had a lot of grief, obviously her husband passed. And so she was kind of like not there. And so I had to just press it down and keep going. When I felt like I was through the tough season, I was able to like go to counseling and stuff. So I was trained to do that. It was not the healthiest move for me in this instance. I had my first seizure several weeks after I was laid off and all of this from stress. There was no other anomaly that they could attain it to. I'd never had one before. And part of it was from just keeping all the stuff down and taking things on my plate. I was already reaching out to publications to get freelance jobs. And I was two, three weeks away from having a child at this point. So I just felt like I was like, okay, I'm going into work mode. I can't do this work anymore. I'm transferring to this and I just have to keep going. And I really didn't take time to rest. We had actually our baby moon scheduled for like the weekend after the layoff. I took that vacation and it was on points, so I didn't feel bad about it. But then it was like back to the grind. And that was not healthy, obviously, for my body. But I did try to take some time after I had my son, but I got really antsy really fast. (laughs) And so I think it was about a month after I had him where I'm like, I need to write again. I need to do something to just have autonomy, to not just be like a milk machine and to have some kind of like human autonomy. That was the way that I handled it. And that wasn't the healthiest way, but it is what I did. Just as a reminder, sorry, the seizure, when did that happen again? It happened about two or three weeks after, probably three weeks after the layoff. And that was before you had your son? Yes. Yeah. I was I was in the hospital every day for a week after I had the seizure because like I did that and then I had low amniotic fluid. So they just kept finding things and they're like, if you don't bring your amniotic fluid up, we're going to have to induce you. I'm like, please. But <laughs> they didn't want to. And then he was already breached. So I knew I was going to have a C-section. So I'm like, I don't care at this point. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong in the last six weeks. Like I've been laid off. I had a seizure, a little amniotic fluid. This kid's breech. Like there's just get him out of me is what I was feeling. <laughs> I don't know why I love this term, but I think mothers who have breastfed or are breastfeeding can relate the milk machine thing, the autonomy thing. Talk to me about that. Was it only just you want more, wanted more autonomy that you went back to work or was like maybe in the back of your mind like, oh, I got to get started on my career again because I don't have that job anymore? I think it was both. So I felt the need to produce like work and produce money. That's always been a huge driving force in me. Like literally since I was 14, I was like asking to get a job. And my mom's like, no, you can't. You're it's just like, go do high school. And I just like felt this need to provide. Even my husband's like, we're fine. We've always lived on one income. We are fine. You don't have to feel this need to keep producing. But inside of me, that is just a driving force for me. I also found that I love it. Like I love making money. I love working. I love creating. So it was both. And I've struggled with this to this day to like do the things that I love to create without feeling the pressure to create because I have to. And so I was really battling those two before I knew I was battling them. The first four months of my son's life where I initially thought like, hey, we paid off our debt so that I could be a stay-at-home mom if I wanted. And here I am, staying at home, no job, like doing 
what I thought I wanted. And literally three months in, I'm like, I'm having a mental breakdown. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Finally, I went to FinCon, the big financial media conference with all of my other personal finance nerd friends. And I was like, this is who I am. And I was calling daycares while I was at FinCon because I'm like, I need this. This lights me up. That was a really like transformative time in figuring out who I am and how I work and the demons I have to battle. Why do you feel like there is this pressure for you to produce? What a great question. We grew up with not a lot of money, but that's a common story. So I always wanted to do better than my parents financially because we would spend a lot going shopping, but we never had enough to take vacations or to save for my college or anything. So I always wanted to do better, but it goes like deeper. So the only way I've really been able to figure it out is through the Enneagram. And I'm not even a big Enneagram person, but somebody told me you're an Enneagram three. And then I read about it and I was like, Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So like, I want to accomplish things. Like that's my driving force. I want to accomplish and finish and achieve. And those are the ways that I feel validated. It's one of those things like that's what I enjoy. And that's, I love checking things off the checklist, but I have to battle like not having a checklist for the sake of having the list and crossing things off. And my existence is valid and I am worthy, even if I'm not crossing things off of a to-do list. Yeah, it just sounds really common. I think for many people is that whole idea of like the driving force is good and bad. There's like that battle, like you say. I am curious about your relationship with money and even work now that you have your son, like compared to before. Have you noticed any differences in the way that you're approaching money or work? (laughs) I think the biggest difference is that I feel more guilt now when I am choosing work over being with my son, even though that's totally valid and that's totally okay. Seeing other women love staying home with their kids and like homeschooling and loving that and that not being me or like when my son gets home, I would rather him watch Blippy and I would rather do something productive or have a podcast in my ear. <laughs> I'm just like not interested in the same thing toddlers are interested in. But it like I have this guilt. So before when I didn't have a kid, I would work, you know, all day. I actually when we were paying off debt, I worked so much. I developed shingles. So it was really really common theme with my body kind of like working against me when I get stressed. Yeah, so I would just do it. I would and not feel anything bad about it. And my husband's kind of the same way. Like we both love to work, but he doesn't have entrepreneurial dreams, but he didn't mind me working. Now that I have a kid though, I don't feel like my view has changed, but that makes me feel guilty. (laughs) Like it should change. Understand. (laughs) (laughs) Totally understand. I want to bring it back to your freelance work. So you decided, okay, well, I got laid off. I'm going to ramp up my freelance stuff. Walk me through that. I mean, I know you mentioned that you've done a little bit of a dabbled it here and there, but having to ramp it up, putting that pressure on yourself to, I'm assuming, making maybe similar income to what you were at your full-time job. Like, Walk me through some of the mindset challenges, the emotional kind of challenges you went with that. I had kept my finger on the pulse of personal finance, even though As a full-time writer, I wasn't allowed to write for other websites. That's how I started becoming a full-time writer is how I started my podcast, Frugal Friends, just because I wasn't able to write for other publications or even my own blog 
because it was so small, but it was still considered a direct competitor. I was able to podcast. And so I was still keeping my finger on the pulse of what was going on. I really believe in that saying, like, your network is your net worth. Because as soon as I lost my job, I was able to go to my network and be like, hey, this happened. And I am now open for freelance writing. And I just had an outpouring of offers and people passing my name on to editors. That was all because I had just formed relationships with people. I'm the only person who did that from the, gosh, it was mostly writers laid off. So of the 15, 20 writers laid off, I'm the only one that did that because I took my niche and I ran with it. I got my son in daycare and I would do a few articles a week and I just built it up to where in 2020, I made double what my salary was at the full-time job. So it was a slow grind, but it wasn't that slow because of my network. That is amazing. I think that's definitely a great lesson for people to learn is just to start slowly keeping in touch with people, whether or not it might turn into something professional in the future. I am curious. So, I mean, again, it sounds like your financial situation is pretty secure, right? You didn't necessarily, I'm going to make that assumption, need the freelance income, but of course it's it's nice to have it, right? Are there anything that you struggle with in terms of your relationship with money? Yes. I mean, if you say no, like you're lying. <laughs> so, I mean, I still struggle with, and I believe I always will. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's limiting. But I struggle with scarcity mindset, for sure, just from coming from scarcity. It was hard for me to believe that I could make more freelancing than at my job. I think maybe that was one of the reasons I tried so early, so hard, because I believed the only way to get back up to the level I was at was to hustle. And so now I'm transitioning out of freelance writing and doing just Frugal Friends and my website, Modern Frugality, and just doing my stuff and having to turn down money to do work for free at first that could turn into more money for less work later. That is super hard for me because I love making money and it's, <laughs> I like the instant money, you know, or 30 days or less that freelancing provides. And you don't always get that with your own business. I think right now that's my biggest struggle. Another one was we started saving a lot and investing less after I was laid off. So we were maxing out all of our retirement funds before, and then we stopped. And so we did that for 2019 and expected to get back into 2020. And then 2020 happened. And so it's just been this like weird thing of, I'm like, I know what to do with my money, but then I also am like, I feel stuck, like stuck in 2019 and stuck in 2020 mentally. And so it's preventing me from doing what I know I need to do with the wad of cash in my savings account. Those are kind of like my two biggest things right now. Are there any questions or sort of exercises you go through to try to help yourself through these hurdles or figure out what it is that you want to do with that money in your savings account? I've recently accepted the validity of mindset and how important it is to what you do with money. Like I've always been a, I don't like manifestation or affirmations or, or any of that. But when thinking about like turning down guaranteed money to try and work on this money that's kind of elusive, I've been reading books that teach you the difference between the mindset of millionaires or, or rich people or wealthy people 
between the mindset of the middle class, which is what I'm ingrained in. And so the more I surround myself with stories of people who have built wealth, have maintained wealth, and know what it's like on the other side, those are things that have helped me the most. Is rest part of that for you? Like figuring out how to balance rest with, I guess, the hustle? Yeah, that's an ever-going struggle too. I am not a good rester. <laughs> I am, and my accountability group will tell you that I don't. So that is also something I am trying to incorporate more. I think I should rest like maybe once a month, but I do. So at the end of the day, I watch Netflix and I hear all these hustle gurus. They're like, don't watch TV, just hustle. And I'm like, no, I hustle during the day. So at night, I can watch Disney Plus and veg out. And that is my self-care. And that is what I need. And so I do that and I don't feel guilt about it. But I do need to rest more. (laughs) (laughs) I think I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. I just want to bring it back around to the day that you and dozens of other people got laid off. In hindsight, obviously, what would you say has been the best and worst thing about that experience? I remember the day pretty vividly, which all traumatic events you surely remember vividly, but watching everybody, because they were doing it all at the same time. We weren't all obviously 45 in the same room, but they did it in different rooms and watching everybody come out with these manila folders, knowing that's our severance package inside and just kind of coming to the realization of how many people were laid off slowly. Then we all went out for drinks after. Obviously, I could not drink, but we all (laughs) went to get lunch and drinks after and commiserate with each other. And I remember everyone was distraught. I mean, even the people that stayed there were traumatized because people lost their entire teams. Their job essentially was eliminated and they had to pivot within the company. So even the people that stayed there kind of lost their jobs. It was a camaraderie building experience, actually. We all stayed in touch for quite a long time, helping each other try and get jobs and still connected to quite a few of them. Ultimately, the whole experience was a blessing in disguise because I don't think I would have had the courage to become an entrepreneur without this push. That has been such a gift to me, like having this freedom, like this is what I was made for, was to be my own boss. Hopefully one day we can employ people. I don't know if we may, if we can bring our income up enough. I don't know. But this is what I was made for. And I really don't know if I would have had the courage to leave paid for healthcare and a great 401k and all of that. I just don't know if I would have. It gave me a lot of strength too. I knew that I had signed a non-compete, but I knew that I could take advantage of the situation to eliminate that. And so I sat down with the owner of the website and I was like, this is what I'm doing. And I think they were all so distraught that they're like, yeah, do whatever. That was so empowering. I think the worst thing that came out of it was the seizure, but everything else in hindsight was a blessing. I have ill will that they just wasted so much money that they had to lay off 45 people. That is irresponsible and that I don't like. But for me and my story, I have no ill will because it was great for me. That's amazing. I love that. You're like, this is what I'm doing. (laughs) Awesome. Oh my God. I was so nervous, but I think being pregnant helped. (laughs) You can find Jen at modernfrugality.com or at her podcast at frugalfriends.com. 
www.jenjohnson.com. Next week, I'm going to dive deeper into my conversation with Jen and talk about how stress, especially money stress, can really translate to trauma in the body. Until then, thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Dollar. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend. It'll help share the mission of what we're trying to do around here, which is to have more deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Tag them on Instagram on one of my posts at Beyond the Dollar. Send them a link. Whatever you want to do to spread the mission of what we're doing around here. Again, thank you so much for listening in, and I'll catch you on the next episode of Beyond the Dollar. By the way, thank you to Donovan Durant for providing this awesome song. <laughs>